Welcome to Musically Challenged, your weekly helping of random music conversations based on whatever topic the guys choose. Their goal is to entertain and inform you on a variety of themes. This podcast is an expression of their lifelong love and commitment to music. Simply stated, music is life. This show may include adult themes and language. Once again, welcome to Musically Challenged. Here are your hosts, Chad and Lou. Welcome to episode, wait, what number is it? 69, dudes! Oh, that's right. It's episode 69 of Musically Challenged, your heaping helping of music, trivia, and pretty much whatever we want to talk about this week. I'm your host, Lou Schwalbach, and with me as always is Chad Knight. Dude. Our topic this week is one that there have been many songs about since music's been recorded. Every genre from rock and roll to hip-hop and damn near anything in between has had at least one song talking about it. I don't know. What, what about, like, uh, Christian or gospel music, you think? Yes. It's probably out there. It's going to be a hard press to find, but it's probably out there. Now I have a mission. There you go. We're on a mission from God. And due to where we're currently at, I'm sure you can guess what we're talking about, but here's a couple AKAs just in case you're somehow still in the dark. Making the Beast with Two Backs. Bumping Uglies. Taking a Trip to Pound Town. Engaging in Gland-to-Gland Combat. That was one of my favorites. Putting the ranch in the Hidden Valley. Nice! (laughs) If you are still not knowing what we're talking about, then you really should not be listening to this podcast. Yes, turn this off and go tell your mommy you listened to something wrong. Right. So yes, it is time for sex. The act that's generally between one or more humans that can be used for pleasure or procreation. Sex is everywhere in music, and the kind of sex that you'll hear about often is dependent on the type or the genre. Are you looking for some dirty, sweaty, late-night HBO or Cinemax-style lovin'? Rock or hip-hop's gonna be the way you want to go. Are you looking for more tender rom-com-style lovin'? Shoot for R&B or country. And be careful, though, because country and R&B also have a lot of breakup and cheating songs that sound all sweet and lovely, but they're not. Do your research. Before anything else, I have to say yes. I realize these are generalizations, but in my experience are mostly true. So this week, again, we're talking about sex and the songs that somehow have a meeting with dealing with it. Keep in mind that while most people consider sex between two or more people, it can also be the solo style, as masturbation is technically sex with yourself. I guess. So now, like... here's the ultimate question of morality. Okay. Somebody clones you, and you have sex with yourself, like intercourse. Mm-hmm. Is that incest, or is that masturbation? And if you're, I don't know, and if you're with somebody, would that be cheating? Ooh. And I don't know, but I honestly, I look at myself in the mirror and I'm like, I don't want to fuck that. <laughs> <laughs> so there are no artists or genre restrictions to speak of, just the song that's about doing it with somebody. All right, so light up your fireplace, spread out the bearskin rug, and get your Kentucky jelly ready while we get the show started. Kentucky jelly? Yeah, well, you know, the KY jelly. I know, but All why right? do you call it Kentucky jelly? Because KY just sounds gross, and Kentucky jelly is funny. Now, and I have to say that I found a all those euphemisms that we mentioned before, there's a list of 400 of them on one website. Oh and these God. were just some of the best ones. Mm-hmm. Um, so the Hidden Valley one, I'm sorry, I just laughed about. So if you're interested, we can post up this link on the email or on the Twitter later also. I can just put it on with the episode. Okay, so I'll give that one later. It'll, it'll be in the contents of the episodes. All right, so how you doing today? I'm doing okay. It sounds like you're getting kind of busy with uh, some work stuff. Yeah, work has been a pain in the ass lately, but 
hey, it pays the bills, right? There you go. And it gives us the freedom to do this kind of bullshit. Exactly. So we're going to go ahead and do Liquored Up. And like last time, I'm still on the meds, so I can't have real liquor, which is actually surprisingly more difficult than it sounds like. I, I Pregnant women, shout out to you because you guys have to put up with it for nine months. I have, t- I have two weeks. Right, right. So this week I bought, and we're doing Sprecher, which is great root beer. And we're doing Locale because we're trying to keep it light for Chad. Yep. And this is, again, Sprecher Rip Beer. It's fire-brewed, which is great. It actually has calories to it and protein somehow. Yeah, the protein. Is there just some guy at the end of the line like, "Eh, ah, there's your protein. I don't know, but it's caffeine-free. It's gluten-free, which means Scott can have it. Yeah. And I I don't know. I've never been to the Sprecher Brewery. It's in Milwaukee. Um, I haven't had their actual beer. The only time I've ever had is regular Rip Beer, and their cream soda is really damn good. Now, the Sprecher has restaurants throughout the southern part of the state. Okay. And last time we were in uh, Madison, we went to the Sprecher restaurant there, which unfortunately has closed since then. But uh, we met with some friends down there, and I got a little shit-faced on the Sprecher beer. It is amazing. I'll have to get. I'll have to look for like just like Point. Last week we had Point. Right. And I've had Point beer before. And that was one of those that I didn't know they had root beer before. I've had the beer first, and then they had the root beer for later. Right. This time, I've had it's the root the beer way. first, and I want to try the actual beer sometime. Well, I think the root beer was probably long before they started doing the actual beer. It could have been. I mean, right. I'd, Menards. That's where, I mean, that's almost always where I see the Sprecher stuff at. Okay. And Shasta. I'm sorry. Shasta's good soda. It's good for a cheap soda. Yeah. yeah. Shasta. So. There's nothing wrong with Shasta. All right. So let's give this one a run. Let's do it. Ooh. See, what I really like about Sprecher. That's got bite. That's... It's got bite. It's got that back end, like, have you ever had a true sarsaparilla? Mm-hmm. Renfair. Yeah, it, it's like that. It has that bite of, like, the sarsaparilla, even though it's root beer, mm-hmm. because there's some sassafras stupid... Sassafras or sarsaparilla. Sarsaparilla, which is made from the sassafras root. Mm-hmm. There's really stringent rules on how you can use it, because right. it can sometimes poison people but so can fugu but i want to try that shit someday i see i i, I would love to but i can't because it's fish so it would kill you either, either way. way i'm gonna die <laughs> <laughs> it's not funny but it is actually kind of yeah so that's why i like the the sodas like this that give that sarsaparilla bite mm-hmm. even though there's no sarsaparilla in it or sassafras in it okay so should we rate this one absolutely I'm going to go with enough Thumbs on this up. one. Yep. Yeah. Um, this, and it's funny you should mention like the sarsaparilla or whatever else. Um, I, I drink tea and it's, I'm not a coffee person. I'm a tea person. I found a Zen tea that's a cinnamon, which okay. I mean, we've had the Harnian ones from the coffee shop and this one isn't as powerful as that one, but it has star anise in it. Okay. Which the tea itself, I can taste the cinnamon, but also the, the anise that's in there gives a little bit of a rip your back end. Okay. It's really tasty. I'll have to that, bring you a packet of yeah, that. Yeah, that sounds good. So I, I do drink tea as well. I drink coffee as well. But tea is tea is an amazing drink because you can do it in so many different ways. And, I mean, hot iced, I mean, wintertime, hot I, hot tea, yep. summertime, a good sun tea or a good iced tea. Oh, oh. sun tea. My God, man. Mm. When I was growing up, the neighbor lady made sun tea the old-fashioned way. I mean, she'd literally put it out in the sun with a ton of sugar. and oh, We do that. We got that on our front porch. Oh, it's amazing. Now that it's starting to get nice out, I'm thinking about doing that again. And um, you throw that in there and then throw a couple ice cubes in. I always have to add a little sweetener because I can't do straight tea. Oh, God. So good. Although Southern style sweet tea is delicious, too. Oh, yeah. Southern sweet tea is... That'll kill kill you. Oh, yeah. (laughs) That'll that'll put me into some sort of shock, I'm sure. 
So should we kick this thing off, man? Absolutely. Oh, wait. Oh, yeah, we're missing something. You're going to get a twofer this week. A twofer? Yeah, you get two trivia questions because I couldn't decide which one I wanted to give you. Jesus, that means I can go from 20 and 20 to what? 20 and 22. I think you're probably going to get at least one of these right, though. Well, we'll see if it's a push here. All right, so first question is, according to an urban legend, what band's drummer, while staying at the Seattle's Edgewater Inn, caught a mud shark and used it as an impromptu sex toy with a groupie? I have no fucking clue. <laughs> I'm not going to make you say who it was, but um, so what band? It is a classic rock band, I will tell you that much. Okay. And it is a band from, I'm just going to say, the 60s or 70s. I'll give you that much of a hint. Okay, that, that at least gives me something. But, okay. okay, a mud shark. What the fuck is a mud shark? Well, just think of who, fine, let's narrow it down. What band caught a fish and used it as a sex toy in a groupie? Which is still <laughs> fucking gross. Yeah. <laughs> Although the, the hotel, apparently it's, it's called Edgewater, and apparently you can fish from the balconies, which is kind of cool, actually. Yeah, that's kind of neat. Even if you're not into fishing, I'd still throw a line out. Why not? So, second question According to, and this is another urban legend. According to an urban legend, what artist reportedly had ribs removed so he can blow himself? Oh, yeah. That one I know. All right, so I'm not going to repeat the second question because obviously I already know it and I can see what you're writing, and you're right. Yeah, I know I am. So, <laughs> oh, ballsy today. <laughs> I'm at least going to be one and one. I don't know. I have to think on the other one. All right, so we got plenty of time on that one. In the meantime, um, we'll get going. So yeah, let's... let me kick this thing off. Let me go here, and I'm going to kick off with, well, I'm not going for subtlety here. I'm kicking off with Fuck Off by Wayne Country and the Electric Chairs. So Fuck Off, also released as If You Don't Want to Fuck Me Baby, Fuck Off, is a 1977 punk rock song by Wayne County and the Electric Chairs. It was released through Sweet F.A., an imprint of Safari Records. The single's B-side was On the Crest. Playing piano on the record was Jules Holland, then a session musician in his late teens. Described as trashy New York Dolls-influenced punk rock, the song was included in the book X-Rated, 200 Rudest Records Ever. The song was written when Wayne County's band were still known as the Backstreet Boys. Don't even get me started. <laughs> All music describes the lyrics as County's way of chastising those who won't take him home. Originally titled, If You Don't Want to Fuck Me Baby, Fuck Off, the song was planned to be released on the group's debut album. The album was never released, though, though some tracks were included on 1976's Max Kansas City. The following year, the band renamed themselves The Electric Chairs, and the song was included on the 1977 album Man Enough to Be a Woman, and the following year's Blatantly Offensive. Let's take a little bit of time to fuck off. I ain't got time for yesterday's news. Don't shoot me up with your bullshit news. If you don't wanna fuck me, baby, baby, fuck off. So Wayne County and the Electric Chairs were part of the first wave of punk bands from the 1970s. The band was headed by Georgian, transgender woman, Wayne County, who later changed her name to Jane County. They are best known for their 1977 single, Fuck Off. Wayne County had originally begun performing in New York with a band called Queen Elizabeth. Followed by Wayne County and the Backstreet Boys, which was documented on Rhino's DIY Blank Generations compilation album with an early single, Max, Max's Kansas City 1976. Upon moving to London, England, with Greg Von Cook, a member of the Backstreet Boys, she recruited a new drummer and bassist to form the Electric Chairs. 
with the band compromising Van Cook on guitar, Von Holler on bass, and Chris Dunst on drums, the band became known for their campy and foul-mouthed ballads. Glam punk-inspired songs and image which was heavily influenced by Jackie Curtis and the Theater of the Ridiculous. Wayne County and the Electric Chairs gave us three albums. The Electric Chairs, 1978, Man Enough to Be a Woman, 1978, and Things Your Mother Never Told You, 1979. This song is just kind of funny. Basically, the mindset of every man ever at closing time. If you don't want to fuck me, baby, fuck off. I can't say I like this song, but it does make me chuckle. So what, what are your thoughts on this one? So I'm going to read exactly what I've written here, and that's what's the what the actual fuck, dude? <laughs> Do you go out of your way to have random bullshit band names? So you already mentioned the whole title of the song, and I don't know if it's really a sex song other than the title, but per the Encyclopedia of Popular Music, that's actually a thing, yep. it says the song is, quote, an enduring low-rent punk favorite. At least the first part of it's right. It's low rent. Yes. Now, I have to say this. You know, transgender, um, drag queens, things like that, some of them have done their job really, really well. There's a lot of them that are just Oh, you saw a video of Jane County, didn't you? We're getting there. Yeah. I mean, that and the wife watches RuPaul Drag Rates. I mean, I've seen, there's a couple on there that are like, you could not tell that they're men. Right. They're amazing. I saw Shania Twain one when I was in college that it made me question almost. We'll put it that way. (laughs) This is not one of them. No, no. She is not a good-looking woman. You know, I'll, still call, I'll still use the pronouns. I'll still yeah. use she and everything else. And good for her. I'm not giving them a hard time just saying that some of them were not meant to... Uh, yeah, we'll yeah. just go that way. The song is okay. Um, it's a punk song. I'm not a huge punk fan. I. It's hilarious by the title. I'll give you credit for that one. But, yeah, it's 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 a pass for me. <laughs> I, I honestly agree with you. It made me laugh. I'm not a fan of Wayne County. and It's, it's and almost like Bikini years. Girls with Machine Guns. The title yeah. was hilarious, but the song was eh. Right, because I went on to a list, and I'm like, sex songs, songs about <laughs> sex. Because I had some, but you had to fill in a couple, you know? Mm-hmm. And that was one of them that came up, but I listened to it, and I'm like, Lou's going to fucking hate this. <laughs> <laughs> At least it was something I was able to find instead of being like, hey, I need to send you the file because it's terrible. <laughs> So, all right. That's true. So, what do you got, man? So, first one I've got is Paradise by the Dashboard Life by Meatloaf, the man, not the food. Damn it, that's my first line. (laughs) (laughs) We've been playing Cards Against Humanity too much, apparently. Not too much. Well, okay, fair enough. So, Marvin, now Michael Lee Aday, is better known by his stage name as Meatloaf, and is an American singer, songwriter, producer, and actor. His first band was called Meatloaf Soul, which is based on a nickname that his high school football coach gave him. Story goes, he hit a note so high that he blew a fuse on the recording monitor. What? That's impressive. He's got a good voice. Oh, he's got a great voice. He was offered three contracts, which he turned down. He joined the L.A. production of Hair and was invited to join with Motown Records. God, I wonder if he had one of the nude parts. Uh, I've never seen it, so I don't know. He duetted with Sean Stoney Murphy, and they released 1971 Stoney and Meatloaf that did nothing, but peaked at 25 in the Netherlands for some reason. Because, like we said, if it doesn't work anywhere else in the world, the Netherlands love it. So he took some time after that to do some recording with other artists, but didn't really do anything on his own, doing more in the way of acting, like with hair, and he went on to a little movie called Rocky Horror Picture Show. I believe I've heard of it. I have too. So wanting to get back into the music, he eased back in, starting work on his classic Bat Outta Hell in 1972, but didn't reportedly get serious with it until 1974, which wasn't released until 1977. 
But man, what an album. Oh my god, yes. Charted all over the place, peaking at number 14 in the US and number 1 in Australia, Ireland, the Netherlands, and New Zealand, and has since gone diamond in the US and Canada, and multi-platinum in the UK and Australia. I have a copy of it. I may actually as well. He had a bit of a career hiccup in 79 when, due to a combination of touring drugs and exhaustion, lost his voice. Obviously, he came back and he continued acting and recording with some more tours thrown in for good measure. He's still considered active today. Meatloaf has released 13 albums that have spawned 39 singles. Paradise by the Dashboard Light is a Jim Steinman pen single off of 1977's Bad Out of Hell. Let's just take a quick listen to the song and then we'll get into it. So the song is a story about a couple that are parked at a lake necking and things are escalating. He wants to go all the way tonight as they start getting going until she tells him before anything else further, he needs to declare his love for her forever and that he'll marry her. It's a trap! Pretty serious stuff for high schoolers, huh? Yeah. I mean, she's already looking at marriage and she's not even 18 yet. Right. So Meek can't hold it any longer, which is hilarious, um, the way that I just phrased that. And because of his hormones, he tells her whatever she wants just to get laid. And afterwards regrets it, which is, there are people I know that are like that. Now, in the middle of the song, there's a baseball radio broadcast featuring a suicide squeeze play, and the runner is going for home, which of course symbolizes sex, because everybody knows about the bases. Right, right. You know, first base, second base, etc. Well, you only missed third base. You might as well have just said third base. Well, fine. First, second, third base, home. Fine. So the song is long as hell. It really is a very long song, and it's classic meatloaf. It tells a story. It's entertaining. It's kind of hilarious at the same time, and I'm sure there are a lot of guys and girls out there who have told a lie in the heat of the moment to get some. I love you. I'll call you. Whatever the whatever the lie is. I never had to lie, but we're not going to get into that. So, Well, if you're not having sex, you don't have to lie. That could be one of the reasons, but you will never know, will you? <laughs> Anyways, no, it's it's a great song. I really enjoy this song. And here's a little piece of trivia for you. Is that Remember I mentioned before that he worked with other artists to sing? He sang for Ted Nugent. Really? The, during uh, Derek St. Uh, Holmes temporarily left Nugent's band in 76, and Meatloaf sang on five of nine of his tracks off of the Free For All album. Nice. Including a song called Hammerdown, which is one of my favorite Nugent songs, actually. Okay. I went back and listened to this. I'm like, holy shit, that's Meatloaf, and I never recognized it. Well, I, it's the voice sounded familiar, but you just never think about it. So mm-hmm. we're going to have to listen to this later on because I have a feeling you're going to probably do the same thing. Like, yeah. holy shit. Yeah. So what do you think of Paradise? So it's definitely a makeout song. This guy, however, makes a promise I would never make for Pussy Man. <laughs> I swear to God. You know... Yeah, but you technically did because you are married. Yes, but I didn't say... I didn't to get ma- laid. I didn't do it to get laid, correct. So, <clears throat> also, sex in a car. Not the easiest or the funnest thing to do. But if you, are in a, if you have no other way to do it... Go to the woods and do it on the back of the car. Do it in the woods on a blanket. Or do it in the car, and if you still can't get enough, do it on the car in the woods. <laughs> there you go. It's a great song, though. The, 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 the loaf is an amazing singer and entertainer. 
It's a great song. I really don't have a whole lot to say about it. It's just a great song. No, not really. So what do you got for number three? All right. So up next, I have got She Wolf by Shakira. Now, a lot of people don't know this about me. I love Shakira. You just like her ass. Well, there's nothing wrong with that either. And but, the fact that she knows about herself because she sings about her breasts are perfect, perfect in one of her songs. In... Yeah, yeah, and she's not wrong. <laughs> so sorry, go on. So She-Wolf is a song by Colombian singer and songwriter Shakira, taken from her eighth studio album of the same name. It was released on July 10th, 2009 by Epic Records at the lead, as the lead single from the album. The song was written by Shakira, John Hill, and Sam Endicott. Shakira and Hill also served as the producers for the song. A Spanish language transition of the song titled Loba, which features additional lyrics contribu- contributed by Jorge Dex- Drexler, was also released earlier in July. Musically, She Wolf is a disco, high energy, and synth pop track that details Shakira's boredom due to her uncaring partner and how she looks for others to please her. In an interview with Rolling Stones, Shakira said that the idea for She-Wolf came to her very mysteriously, revealing, I was in the studio in a bad mood that day, then I got inspired and went to a corner and I just wrote the lyrics and the melody in 10 minutes. The image of the She-Wolf just came to my head, and when I least expected it, I was howling and panting. I need a minute. (laughs) Let's go ahead and take a listen to her howl. Is is it a good reason, is it a good thing that I have a table between... (laughs) No, it's okay. It's all good. It's all good. Not getting enough retribution or decent incentives to keep me at it. Starting to feel just a little abuse like a coffee machine in an outfit. So I'm gonna go somewhere closer to get me a lover and tell you about it. Alright, so Shakira, Isabella, Mabarak, Rapol is a Colombian singer, songwriter, and dancer. Born and raised in Banaquilla, she began performing in school, demonstrating Latin American, Arabic, and rock and roll influences and belly dancing abilities. Just gets better and better. Shakira's first studio albums, Magia and Peligro, failed to attain commercial success in the 1990s. However, she rose to prominence in Latin America with major label debut. As of 2001, before releasing her best-selling Laundry Service, she had sold over 10 million albums alone in Latin America. The song itself is okay. The video. Oh, my God. I'd like to sleep in a den next to that (laughs) she-wolf. The outfits, the flexibility. She is also an amazing vocalist. Okay. I need to keep myself in check. So, Lou? You're you're gushing. (laughs) I am. I am. I am a huge Shakira fan. So... She and you said it before. She's not getting what she wants, so she goes out and takes it like a wild animal. It's, it's, it's very simple. There's no disguising it at all. I do recall some of her original, or not original, but like the uh, what is it? Laundry Service was the first album. Yeah. What was the first English album? Okay. Because that's the one that we heard. Right. I mean, I don't listen to foreign. Tra- the only foreign song I listen to is the '99 Red Balloons. '99 <laughs> Red Bl- Luff Luff Balloons, which is far superior than the English version. The English one sounds like crap. Yeah, kind of. But in any respect, no. Um, the video you're right is amazing. I'm 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 not gonna take anything away from that. The song is eh. Yeah, the song's song, okay. But it's it's like CMT. You put it on mute. It's fun to watch. <laughs> Fair enough. So what do you got up next? So our, up next we have S and M by Rihanna. I don't care for her choice in guys or her life choices, but for that matter, 
But Rihanna's actually not a bad-looking lady. Robin Rihanna Fenty. I'm glad that she goes by Rihanna because Robin Fenty just sounds stupid as shit. Simply known as Rihanna is a Barbadian singer, songwriter, and actress. Her home life wasn't exactly musical, being the child of an accountant and a warehouse supervisor. Yay. Exactly. Where it first started was in high school. She was an army cadet in a sub-military program, and her drill sergeant was Chantel. Never heard of her, but supposedly she's an artist and a writer or whatever. Okay. She decided to drop out of school and work on her musical career. She formed a musical trio with some classmates and was discovered by producer Evan Rogers, who regarding the audition is quoted, the minute Rihanna walked into the room, it was like the other two girls didn't exist. Wow. Yeah. So it's like what the other two girls must have been fugly. So it's like what Destiny's Child became with Beyonce and the other two that nobody knows about. So after a lot of time and demos, she finally got signed and released her debut in 2005 with Music of the Sun that peaked at number 10 in the U.S. and 7 in Canada. She immediately started working on her follow-up that did a lot better in the single, and the single SOS off of it helped her break through into the international music scene. She started touring right away in support of the albums as well as recording alone and collaborating with other artists, putting out albums nearly every year. From her debut in 2005 through 2012, she only didn't release an album in 2008. Okay. Um, at last notice, she was working on a new album uh, with Shaka supporting her, whoever Shaka is. Shaka Khan! Yeah, I don't think so. When she's not recording, she's done some acting as well as being part of the uh, Bates Motel show. Okay. Um, and she was also in the movie Battleship, Bring, Bring It On, All or Nothing, and the new Ocean's 8 train wreck that they're making. I've seen Battleship, and I honestly was expecting to hate it because I'm like, oh, great, she's in this movie. Shit. Actually, it wasn't bad. Really? It had a good okay. soundtrack, and the movie was decent. Well, you know, it was a movie made out of fucking... A uh, board game. Board game. What next? Simon, can you follow along? Right? <laughs> anyway. Simon says, and if you do it wrong, they shoot you in the... You die. <laughs> Simon says, die. <laughs> actually, that was, I can see that horror movie coming. That would be fun, actually. Let's write that quick. All right. Well, that's all you would need for a horror movie is quick, if you're going to be honest about it. Yeah. So, Rihanna's released eight albums that have spawned 71 singles. Let that sink in. Eight albums, 71 singles. Now, when I wrote this, I did the math. So, there are 101 tracks. And most most albums have, like, 12 tracks. That's a, ba- yeah. that's a basic album. 12 to 13. So, an average... So, nine, that would be 96 tracks, which means 71 of 96 were singles. Now, she actually had 101 tracks, because some of the albums were different. One of which was a remix, so it doesn't count. So, it goes down to 100 different songs... On those albums, which makes the math really easy. 71% of her songs are fucking singles. That is insane. The record company is really putting all of their money on one horse. Yeah, they are. And and right now it's paying off. Oh, yeah, in in spades and dividends. But still, at the same time, that just seems odd because you get like other bands are like, oh, look, like what do we talk about? Like nine albums and 36 singles, so four per album. And now we've got like pretty much everything but two songs are, are singles. Yeah. So, anyways, moving back. Well, that puts a lot of pressure on the artist, too, to make songs that are radio-friendly. True enough, but at the same time, if you're just cranking them out and if you have somebody writing them for you... True. So, S&M is a single off of her 2010 album, Loud. So, here we have a bit of a difference between this song, what is sung and what it may be intended. Before we get into those intents, let's go ahead and get into some S&M.
daddy. <laughs> so the song sings about pain being for pleasure and sex in the air, along with her stating, it sticks and stones may break my bones, but whips and chains excite me. And these are all pretty much the definitions of BDSM. Bottom line. However, Rihanna, in an interview with Spin Magazine, advised people not to take the lyrics literally. I don't think of it as a sexual way. I think of it as metaphorically. People are going to talk about you, and you can't stop that. You just have to be a strong person and know what you are, so that stuff just bounces off. Which makes Man, sense. my world just collapsed. Yeah, I can tell you're really heartbroken. <laughs> so she told Q Magazine to, that the refrain, sex is in the air, I love the smell of it, is a raised middle finger to the media monks who say she's too raunchy. You think I give a fuck what you think about me dressing sexy? I love it. Come on, I love you for hating me. I got a little respect for her for that. Yeah, that's a little fair. I don't love all of her music, but this one and a few of her other collaborations, including the one with Eminem, I really do enjoy. The song's got a killer beat that's great to exercise to. Not that I do a lot of that, if you, you're looking. Um, but it's a good song to drive to, actually, also. It's a good song to find yourself speeding to. I found that out. I haven't gotten <laughs> ticketed, but it's one of those where it's like, oh, shit, look, I'm doing 90. Right. I, I dig it. I really enjoy the song. It's definitely a sex song. Rihanna is a beautiful girl. And then she sings and tells us she likes whips and chains. What the real fuck? <laughs> now, before before you read your bit there, I said it makes a person wonder if she really likes that or if she's just singing a song. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And as we found out, she's just kind of singing a song. I mean, it has meaning behind it, but it's not the actual sexual act. And the video, by the way. How many fucking ball gags do they think we want to see? All of them? Did you notice that? Like, all the reporters have ball gags. Mm. Everybody except her has a fucking ball gag in. And I'm like, there's some little sex toy shop out there going, we're all out of ball gags. <laughs> she, I, I need all, excuse me, um, whips and chains are us. I need all of them. Yeah. How many you got in stock? Uh, how many can you get? <laughs> it's, it's a great song. I mean, I really do enjoy the song. Um, but... The topic, maybe not, but the song, yes. Yeah. All right. Yeah, exactly. And like I said, the beat. I mean, I know you didn't mention that, but I think the beat just does it for me. The beat is really cool. So, all right. So, what do you got for number five? Number five, we have Relax by Frankie Goes to Hollywood. So, this was released in the United Kingdom by ZTT Records in 1983. The song was later included on the album Welcome to the Pleasure Dome, 1984. Although fairly inauspicious upon its initial release, Relax finally reached number one in the UK singles chart. In January 1984, ultimately becoming one of the most controversial and most commercially successful records of the decade. The single eventually sold a reported 2 million copies in the UK alone, making it the seventh best-selling single in the UK single charts history. Following the release of the group's second single, Two Tribes, Relax rallied from a declining UK chart position during June 1984 to climb back up to the UK charts and reattain number two spot behind Two Tribes at number one. Representing simultaneous chart success by a single act, unprecedented since the early 1960s. Upon the release in the United States in late 1984, Relax repeated its slow UK progress, reaching number 67 upon its initial release, but eventually reaching number 10 in March 1985. Throughout the Relax controversy, the band continued to publicly deny that the song lyrics were sexual. Nevertheless, by 1984, it was clear that the public were aware of the sexual nature of the lyrics, but the scandal had fueled sales anyway. In 1985, with the release of Welcome to the Pleasure Dome album, which included Relax, 
The band dropped any pre public pretense about the lyrics. Eventually, I say, is complete lies. Like, when people ask you what Relax was about when it first came out, we used to pretend it was about motivation, and really it was about shagging. Marco Tool, welcome to the Pleasure Dome album liner notes. So, let's relax. So Frankie Goes to Hollywood were a British band formed in Liverpool, England in 1980. The group was fronted by Holly Johnson on vocals, with Paul Rutherford on vocals, Peter Gill on drums and percussion, Marco Toole on bass guitar, and Brian Nash on guitar. The group's 1983 debut single, Relax, was banned by the BBC in 1984 while at number 6 on the charts and subsequently topped the UK singles charts for five consecutive weeks, going on to enjoy prolonged chart success throughout the year and ultimately becoming the seventh best-selling UK single of all time. It also won the 1985 Brit Award for Best British Single. Their debut album, Welcome to the Pleasure Dome, reached number one in the UK in 1984 with advanced sales of over one million. After the follow-up success of Two Tribes and The Power of Love, the group became only the second act in the history of the UK charts to reach number one with their first three singles. The first being fellow Liverpudlians, Jerry and the Pacemakers. This record remained unbeaten until the Spice Girls achieved a six-single streak uh, in 1986-1987. In 1985, the band won the Brit Award for Best British Newcomer and also received Grammy Award and MTV Music Video Award nominations for Best New Artist. Songwriters Johnson, Gill, and O'Toole received the 1984 Ivor Novello Award from the British Academy for Best Song, musically and lyrically uh, for Two Tribes. In 2015, the song was voted by the British public as the nation's 14th favorite 1980s number one in a poll for ITV. The song itself... I never really thought of it as a sex song, but I guess it really is. I really enjoy the song, and now it even has more reasons to be enjoyed. You didn't mention anything about the Frankie Says t-shirts, remember? The the white shirts with the black print on them? Oh, you're right. I didn't even think about that when I was writing this. Because, mm, of course, I'm thinking back to Wedding Singer, because, of course, that's another one that was played almost prominently in this one. Right. And the, the cook that's wearing a shirt that's like, Frankie Says, relax, or whatever. Frank, you just say, just twiddle your ding-dong, basically, is what Frankie's saying. Yeah, um, exactly. The song's about rubbing one off, yeah, or shagging, or whatever they want to say, and about delaying the final explosion. Yeah, I mean, there's, it doesn't mince words. It really and and it really doesn't. I mean, you look at the lyrics, relax, don't do it, when you want to come. I, I don't know where there was any confusion, because it's pretty straightforward. I mean, the band would have had to try really, really hard to lie about what it's about. Right, and, and they, they sold it for almost a year that it was... About being motivated. Mm -hmm. Come to what? Come to Jesus? <laughs> Relax when you want to have a come to Jesus moment. Yeah. I we and apparently the Brits back in the day were stupid. Yeah, We I believed guess. anything because now you look at it, it's like, nope. <laughs> so, yeah, now you look at it and you're like, oh yeah, it is a sex song. And it's not even like a, really, oh, I can see how that's a sex song. No, it's just like... Slaps you in the face. Yeah. With a salami. <laughs> so... I'm going to go with my next one here, and the next one we have is another um, masturbation song, actually. So it's a solo sex song. We've got Shebop by Cindy Lauper. Cynthia Ann Stephanie Lauper, another dual middle name one, better known just simply as Cindy Lauper, is an American singer, songwriter, and actress. She started with music at a young age, starting to write songs and playing guitar around age 12. Did you ever have a crush on Cindy Lauper? I didn't. 
No? There was nothing about her that, I mean, there's just the Salvation Army outfit stuff just didn't do it for me. The punk part, a little bit maybe, but then I heard her talk and I'm just like, nah, the New York accent thing just didn't do it for me. I kind of had a crush on her when I was young. Kind of a weird crush? Yeah, I was like, even then you're like, I wouldn't fuck her, but she's cute. She's weirdly cute. Kind of like Zoe Deschanel. Weirdly cute. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay. So, So... She got expelled from high school, but later earned her GED and left home at age 17 because of an abusive stepfather. She wandered all over the place, finally landing in Vermont, where she took odd jobs and performed with cover bands, but wasn't just happy doing it. She heard of vocal cords in 77 and was told she would never sing again, but with the help of a vocal coach, proved the doctors wrong. The next year, she hooked up with John Turi and formed Blue Angel. It wasn't paradise, though, as in time the band had a falling out with Steve manager Steve Misarski who filed a lawsuit forcing Lopper into bankruptcy. The stress of that and an inverted cyst caused her to lose her voice. She worked more odd jobs and singing at clubs until being signed with Portrait Records. Shortly afterwards, she released her debut, 1983's She's So Unusual, that peaked at number four in the U.S. and number one in Canada, which also helped her earn the 1985 Grammy for Best New Artist and the 84 VMA for Girls Just Want to Have Fun, which included, as we both know, wrestler manager Captain Lou Abano. It was around that time as well that she ended up going to be part of the WWF events and having other managers as the Iron Sheik, Mr. Fuji, and Rowdy Roddy Piper show up in her videos, including the one for the 85 classic film, The Goonies. She has continued to tour as well as releasing albums, writing a memoir, and working on Broadway. She's composed the music and lyrics for Broadway's Kinky Boots, which I think is coming to the Grand soon, isn't it? Yeah, I think... No, it was just at the Grand. Oh, okay, all right. And is working on a Broadway version of Working Girl. In her finger quotes spare time, she is also an activist for LGBT rights and is still very active. She's released 11 albums that have spawned 51 singles. Another that's one. Not, that's not bad. No, it's not at all. So let's go ahead and uh, do a little bobbing. So She-Bop is a single released on her debut album again, She's So Unusual, and it's about rubbing one off. Lopper stated that she wanted kids to think it was about dancing and hoped they wouldn't get the real meaning until they got older. Kids aren't stupid. They got that right away. So the song was included as part of the Filthy 15 by the Parents Music Resource Center, which was an organization that was headed up by that useless Tipper Gore, and got one of those parental advisory stickers, which was basically a thing saying kids buy this. Yeah, I... Exactly. I remember going into a th- uh, into a, a place to buy something. You'd look at like you'd sound to two records, but one's got that parental sticker on it. You're like, that's the one. Oh yeah, and you know, and it's like anything. If parents tell kids don't have that, they're gonna want it more. Yeah. Because why can't I have it? It's like telling Donald Trump not to push the red button. It depends who the red button's aimed at, but we're not gonna get into that. <laughs> but no, it's. It's a it's a good song. I mean, it really is. I mean, if you listen to it, it's just like, oh, my. And, you know, regardless of what some clueless guys may think, girls do it, too. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> so what are your thoughts? I don't think I'd ever heard this song before getting ready for this. Really? Really. I It didn't ring a bell at all. Not even the melody when you heard no, it? No. Huh. So it's a song about, like Lou said, rubbing one off. But... My only real question is, what the fuck is up with the video? Did you watch the video? I've seen in a, in the past, yes. 
with the the burger joint and the the bikers and it's just I mean she's talking about a vibrator at one point because she's like I want to get in the sidecar and feel it rumble or some shit like that and I'm like this is just fucked up <laughs> but overall it's it's not it would not be on my top of the list of Cindy Lauper songs it's no it's it's it's, it's odd it's weird. But that's it's off an album called She's Unusual. Of course, it's gonna be odd and weird. <laughs> well, fair enough. But um, no, actually, it's it's not one of my favorites, but it's a decent song. Yeah, I'll, it, I'll give it decent. All right. Absolutely. So what's number seven? We're at the halfway point. We're at the halfway point, and we're gonna do all I want to do is make love to you by heart. I'm not talking to you, Lou. I understand. So all there'd I wanted... be nothing loving about it. Just saying. <laughs> Just raw animalist. Uh, never mind. Uh, <laughs> all I want to do is make love to you is a song by the rock band Heart. It was composed by veteran songwriter and producer Robert John Muttlang and released as the lead single from the band's 10th studio album, Brigade. Wait, Muttlang, isn't that the guy who, the idiot who was married to Shania yep. Twain but cheated on her with some ugly woman? Yeah. yeah. As well as their first hit single of the 90s. The song was first recorded as All I Want to Do is Make Love to You by Dobie Gray in 1979, though with different lyrics. Okay. All I Want to Do is Make Love to You was a success spending two weeks at number two on the U.S. Billboard Hot 100, kept from the top spot by Madonna's Vogue. Okay. It was nominated for a Grammy Award for Best Group Pop Vocal Performance and is the only one of Hart's singles to have been certified gold by the RIAA. In the heart version of the song, singer Al Wilson sings of a one-night stand with a handsome young male hitchhiker. After an implicit agreement to remain anonymous, they make their way to a hotel room in which to have sexual intercourse. The lyrics make the suggestion that this may not be the first time the female protagonist has engaged in such behaviors, noting her familiarity with this particular hotel. The song explicitly highlights the sexual prowess of the young man and his ability to easily and repeatedly bring the female protagonist to orgasm. She leaves a note with instructions for the man to make no attempt to contact her or track her down. It is subsequently revealed that her intent all along was to use the encounter as a way to become pregnant. The lyrics explain later, when she, was, when she accidentally crosses paths with the one-time lover, that her baby is the result of their tryst, and she did it only because the man she is in love with is not able to father children. Let's listen to this dirty, dirty song. Wow, the meaning of this is a hell of a lot darker than the actual title. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's, this almost sounds like a, like a tender song, but then you listen to the words, it's like, holy shit, what? Yeah, yeah, it's pretty dark. So, Heart is an American rock band and the first that first found success in Canada and later in the United States and worldwide. Over the group's four-decade history, it has, it has had three primary lineups, with the constant center of the group since 1973 being sisters Ann Wilson and Nancy Wilson. Hart rose to fame in the mid-1970s with music influenced by hard rock and heavy metal, as well as folk music. Their popularity declined in the early 1980s, but the band enjoyed a comeback starting in 1985 and experienced even greater success with album-oriented rock hits and hard rock ballads into the 1990s. 
To date, Heart has sold over 35 million records worldwide, including over 22.5 million in the States, with top 10 albums on the Billboard 200s in the late in the 1970s, 1980s, 90s, and 2010s. The group was ranked number 57 on VH, uh, VH1's 100 Greatest Artists of Hard Rock. Mm, they actually can rock pretty good, though. They can, but that's not what they're that's not what they're known for, I guess. They were inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 2013. The song itself is every teenage boy's fantasy. He meets a hot girl, and all she really wants to do is fucking move on. Tell me you never wanted that to happen. I know I did. After spending my pubescent years snagging my grandpa's porno mags and reading the letters, that's exactly what I wanted to happen. Unfortunately, it never did. Lou? You know, with the exception of the whole kid part coming out of it back then? Well, yeah. I mean, yeah, I would have to agree with you on that one. This song is one of those, I'm using finger quotes, tender sounding songs, which bucks the trend of rock being less about emotion and more about physical. But then again, like I said, the whole meaning behind it, it's just like total black and white, a total flip side of the coin. I mean, it's a total 180. So I'm going to, I'm actually almost going to disagree with the other, because Hardy is known for rock. If you listen to especially some of their older stuff, yeah, they got a little poppy later on, but older classic heart like your Barracuda, but they've got a lot of good solid rock stuff in their earlier careers. So, I mean, that's, I think that's what they were known for mainly. Okay, fair enough. So, all right, we are moving to what, number eight? Sure. All right, number eight. Um, you're probably going to chuckle at this one here. So we're going to go with the Pearl Necklace. <laughs> so I know we've talked about ZZ Top recently, so we're going to go ahead and kind of do a quick one on this. Dusty Hill, Billy Gibbons, and Frank Beard, which, again, ironically, is the only one who's clean-shaven. Yep. Uh, make up the Southern Rock Trio of ZZ Top. They formed in 69, <laughs> hilariously enough. For this uh, episode, anyway. Right. Gibbons was working with Lanier Grieg and Dan Mitchell. The name was derived from B.B. King and ZZ Hill. They were going to call it ZZ King, but it sounded too similar. So ZZ Top was done because King is going to be at the top. Grieg was replaced in later that year with uh, with uh, Billy Etheridge, which was a bandmate of Stevie Ray Vaughan, and Mitchell was replaced with Frank Beard. U.S. record companies didn't care for their style, so they wanted to sign a contract in London Records. Etheridge didn't want to do that, so he bowed out, and in came Dusty Hill, and that's where they signed in 1970. They've had the same lineup since then, which, what's, what is that, 40? 40, 40 plus. Four, almost 50 years. Maybe 50 years in 2020, I guess. Yeah. And let's see, their first album was 1971's ZZ Top's first album, peaked at number 201 on the U.S. charts. Fortunately, they kept going because they started getting better and better with time, including 83's Eliminator and their follow-up 85's Afterburner, which are in top 10, and they're great albums. Yeah, they're, they're both fantastic. good albums. ZZ Top continues to record and tour and is still considered active today. They've released 15 albums that have spawned 44 singles. Pearl Necklace is a single off of 1981's El Loco. Let's go jewelry shopping, shall we? The song is mostly a double entendre until the end when it says, and that's not jewelry she's talking about. It really don't cost that much. I'm not going to go into what it means because if you don't know, I am not going to tell you. All I'm going to say is Google it with pictures 
or look it up on Urban Dictionary, but suffice to say, it's definitely a sex song. Billy Gibbons explains how they got away with it. There's an advantage to being last in the record bin. I think Tipper Gore got to Frank Zappa and she got so disgusted that she didn't go any further. <laughs> that's that's kind of awesome, actually, that they got a sense of humor about it. Now, again, it's there is no ifs, ands, or buts about this one. It's, it is what it is. It is a sex song, period. What are your thoughts? Uh, it's another song I know I never heard before this. This really doesn't, to me, sound like a ZZ Top song. And I know we talked about that a little bit beforehand, and you disagree with me, and that's fine. It's just, to me, it didn't. This is such a far-fetched song. No girl is going to ask for a pearl necklace, especially in the sack. This, however, is a very dirty song. The innuendo is so slight, it's almost like there is none at all. Which, you know, talking about that last line of the song where, mm-hmm. you know. So, I, that's all I got. It's it's definitely a sex song, and it definitely um, pulls no punches. So, and uh, well, let's, let's get a little real for a second. Have you been asked to give jewelry? Uh, never. Really? Never. Huh. So, I take it you have? When you're asked, you gotta acquiesce. Well, yeah, of course. I mean, it's like, no, I don't want to do that. No, you're... No. <laughs> I'm sorry, if you're bearing it at all right there, you're not going to turn stuff down, generally speaking. Let's right. do weird shit. Right. You know? It's just like, no, do it in my ear. <laughs> That'll get turned down, because then later they're going to bitch about it has such a pain in the ass to clean out. Right. Or like, up my nose, because I <laughs> that's supposed to be a very unpleasant situation. I would think so. The nose or the eyes, I can imagine it would burn. Yeah. I can only imagine... But let's move on, because you look kind of uncomfortable. I'm a little, I'm a little weirded <laughs> out by those last two. I mean, I understand there's holes there, but... Sometimes you can't aim. I mean, just saying. Yeah. All right, so we're going to move on to a nice, happy song. Uh, we're going to do Closer by Nine Inch Nails. Really a happy song? <laughs> nice transition on that one, you lying fucker. So this is a song by industrial rock band Nine Inch Nails from their second studio album, The Downward Spiral, which is the album everybody knows. Mm-hmm. It was released on May 30th, 1994 as the album's second single. Most versions of the single are titled Closer to God, a rare example in music of a single's title differing from the title of its A-side. A promotional single provided by the label to studio stations or to radio stations included both long and short vocal censored, um, either silenced or bleeped out or profanity versions. In spite of misinterpretations of the song as a lust anthem, Closer became Nine Inch Nails' most successful single up to that time, cemented Reznor's status as an industrial rock icon, and remains arguably his best-known song. Since its versions of the song and its Mark Romanek-directed video received substantial airplay on radio and MTV. Lyrically, Closer is a mediation, meditation on self-hatred and obsession, but to Reznor's dismay, the song was widely misinterpreted as a lust anthem due to its course, which included the line, I want to fuck you like an animal. In 2003, VH1 ranked the song at number 93 on its countdown of the 100 greatest songs of the past 25 years. The song was ranked at the number two position of AOL's 69 sexiest songs of all time, mostly due to the explicit frankness of the chorus. Come on, dude. I want to fuck you like an animal, remarked Motley Crue drummer and then, then the Downward Spiral contributor Tommy Lee. That's the all-time fuck song. Those are pure fuck beats. Trent Reznor knew what he was doing. You can fuck to it, you can dance to it, and you can break shit to it. Since I'm engaged now, I'll just say that the most memorable episode that I remember with Closer took place on a swing. Let's get closer. Help me get away from myself. I wanna fuck you like an animal. 
Because Tommy Lee is a classy guy. I guess. I wonder who he was engaged to at the time. Um, actually, it was uh, Mate Garcia. Or Mate Garcia. Oh, sure. So Nine Inch Nails, commonly abbreviated as NIN, is an American industrial band founded in 1988 by Trent Reznor in Cleveland, Ohio. The band released two influential albums during the 1990s, The Downward Spiral 1994 and The Fragile 1999, and has had record sales exceeding over 20 million copies worldwide, with 10 million sales certified in the United States alone. Despite its success, the band has had several feuds with the corporate side of the recording industry. The first was was its notable conflict with TVT Records regarding the band's first album, Pretty Hate Machine, which led Reznor to record his follow-up album, in secrecy to avoid the label's influence. Nine Inch Nails signed to Interscope Records afterward, but after the release of the band's fifth studio album, Year Zero, in 2007, Reznor announced that Nine Inch Nails would release future material independently. The band signed with Columbia Records for the release of its eighth album, Hesitation Marks, in 2013, two EPs, Not the Actual Events 2016, and Added Violence, in 2017, were released independently under the Null Corporation. I kind of like this song, partly for the fact, as Tommy Lee said, it's a fuck song, and I'm a guy who likes fuck songs. The video, if you've ever seen it, is fucked up, dude. It, I mean, it is it is a mind. I mean, really fucked up. Mm. That said, I like the song, not the video so much. You know, it's a pretty explicit song that was played on the radio a lot of the edited version. Uh, most times, it was usually not even bleeped; it was just silenced. Right. This is one of those physical, dirty songs that goes well with a vertical metal pole or naked time with your significant other. Yeah. Because Tommy Lee, I mean, Tommy Lee is kind of a dink, but at the same time, he's got it right on this one. Yeah. It's, it's a good, it got a good beat that you can follow along with, yeah. as it were. So that's what I got. All right, man. So what do you got next? So next we have Fingers by Pink. And Pink's another one that's very decent looking, in my opinion. She's another one of those weird ones that's, especially in the Moulin Rouge video. She's hot in pretty much everything. Uh, watch the Moulin Rouge video. She's got kind oh, of... I, I have. Long, Don't worry. <laughs> the long curly hair with a little bit of the pink at the ends of it. Oh, so good. Anyways, Alicia Beth Moore. So, such a normal name. Uh, better known as stage name Pink. Her voice developed early, and she was a teen starting lyrics, and she used it to deal with her feelings, which is what a lot of people do, I guess. Mm-hmm. She started to play at clubs when she was around 14 and started going by Pink at the time, as a comparison to Mr. Pink from Reservoir Dogs, due to her extreme phase changes. Okay. When she was 16, she and two other girls formed an R&B, an R&B group, Choice. They recorded an album that was never released, and their signature song, Key to My Heart, wasn't released until being on the soundtrack for that Shaquille O'Neal genie movie, Kazam. God. Yeah. Music, exec, um, music execs gave Pink an ultimatum, go solo or go home. So Choice disbanded, and she, she signed with <laughs> LaFace Records. She released her debut album, 2000's Can't Take Me Home, that peaked at number 26 in the U.S. and 10 in Australia, while going 13 in the U.K. Not wanting to be another forgettable pop princess, she took more creative control and changed her direction for her follow-up, 2001's Misunderstood, which included the song Don't Get Me, Get Me, Don't Let Me, Get Me, Just Like and Just Like a Pill, and the mega-hit Get This Party Started. Love that song. It's a good song. She continued to write and collaborate with other artists while touring. She's been singing and releasing albums every few years since and has done a few side gigs, such as working on soundtracks like Moulin Rouge and also singing at the 2018 Super Bowl despite having a flu, 
which it's a big story, and that's pretty impressive. Yeah, absolutely. She's still considered active today and has released seven albums that have spawned 35 singles. Fingers is off of I'm Not Dead, and I forgot to look up the years, so okay. if you know, great. Let's go ahead and just listen to some Fingers. So you may look at your copy and realize that you don't have this song, and that's because it wasn't released on the U.S. version of the album, only the U.K. version. However, I guess with, with the prudent uh, Puritan ways of America, I get it. Now, it did make it into the Platinum Edition later on. Fingle, fingers as well as you and your hand deal with masturbation. No, and this, seriously, there's the you, it's you and then you are hand. Okay. Um, simply put, the subject of the song's man wasn't getting her off, so while he's sleeping, she rubs one, rubs one out and takes care of business. It, it's Hey, you do what you got to do, right? She's not cheating. She's just fixing what isn't working. Right. I'm sure in many relationships, there are times when they're not in the mood, and you rather rather than go to bed without, you get it done. I personally see no issues with that because, you know, hey, sometimes you just got to release. Yeah, yeah. And hell, that, I don't know about you, but that'll help me sleep. I think that'll help any guy sleep. That's what I'm saying. So... I enjoy this song. In fact, I didn't even know this song existed until I was looking and I looked at the lyrics. I'm like, holy shit, that's awesome. <laughs> because, again, girls do it too. Right, right. Now, I said, what the fuck? This is an amazing song I had never heard before. Never heard of it. I do like Pink, but this song really makes me like her more. <laughs> the visual of Pink fingering herself in my head is orgasmic. Damn, dude. <laughs> You're welcome. Did you did you happen to see somebody clip together a video um, on YouTube for like a video for this song? Mm -mm. Go watch it. That's all I'm going to say. Go watch it. All right. So I'll make a note here. <laughs> a video. So there's two videos I need to look for. I need to look for the She-Wolf video and the uh, Fingers video. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So we're moving on to number 11. Yeah. We're moving on to Like a Virgin by Madonna. Like a Virgin is a song recorded by American singer Madonna for her second studio album, Like a Virgin, 1984. It was released in October by the Sire label as the album's lead single. The song is written by Tom Kelly and Billy Steinberg and produced by Nile Rodgers. Steinberg said that the song was inspired by his personal experience of romance, so he wasn't getting any. Gotcha. Like a Virgin was chosen for Madonna by Michael Austin of Warner Brothers. After listening to a demo sung by Kelly... However, Rogers initially felt that the song didn't have a sufficient hook and was not suitable for Madonna, but subsequently changed his opinion after the hook was stuck in his head. Musically, Like a Virgin is a dance-orientated song composed of two hooks. Madonna's voice is heard in a high register, while a continuous arrangement of drums are heard along the bass line. The lyrics of the song are ambiguous and consist of hidden innuendo, interpreted in different ways. Like a Virgin received positive reviews from contemporary as well as past critics, who frequently called it as one of the defining songs of, for Madonna. The song's music video portrayed Madonna sailing down the canals of Venice in a gondola, as well as roaming around a palace wearing a white wedding dress. With the video, scholars noted Madonna's portrayal of a sexually independent woman, similarity of a man wearing a lion's mask to that of St. Mark, and the link between the eroticism in her video and the, the vitality of Venice. Madonna has performed the song in seven of her concert tours. Most of the time, her performance of Like a Virgin were associated with 
strong reaction and an uproar from the media. Like a Virgin has been covered by a number of artists and has appeared in or been referenced in a feature film such as Reservoir Dogs, Moulin Rouge, and Bridget Jones, The Edge of Reason. Family groups sought to ban it as they believed the song promoted sex without marriage. On the other hand, Madonna's public persona of an indomitable, sexual, sexually unashamed, supremely confident woman was widely accepted by the younger generation who emulated her style and fashion. Scholars have credited Like a Virgin as the song which cemented her position as a pop culture icon. Let's listen to the pop culture icon, Madonna. Madonna Louise Sissone, I think is how it's pronounced, is an American singer, songwriter, actress, and businesswoman. Referred to as the Queen of Pop since the 1980s, Madonna is known for pushing the boundaries of lyrical content in mainstream popular music, as well as visual imagery in music, videos, and on stage. She has also frequently reinvented both her music and image while maintaining autonomy within the recording industry. Besides sparking controversy, her works have been praised by music critics. Madonna is often cited as an influence by other artists. Now, the song itself, when released, was amazing. I was in love with Madonna and the bleach blonde hair look, her voice, everything. I would have sold my parents to meet her. I still think that, to this day, she's gorgeous. I know you're going to disagree with me, Lou. We've had this discussion. Mm. But sometimes you're wrong. We should have done all Madonna songs because they're all about sex. We can uh, that can we can do an episode <laughs> just for Madonna. It would make the write up a hell of a lot easier because we just write one history period and talk about the songs. Well, true. But well, what are, what are well, your thoughts of this song? You know, even though the title refers to someone who hasn't had sex, which like Madonna absolutely was not at the time. I'm sure when she wrote this, I'm sure she came out of the womb being not a virgin. Well, I don't know if I'd go that far, but I get what you're saying. There are arguments stating that the song isn't a sex song. The songwriter just got out of an emotionally difficult relationship and met someone, hence the new shiny and new line, and about making it through the tough times or the wilderness. Blah, 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 blah. It, I'm just going to call it what it is. It's a sex song. It really is. I mean, it's like I a virgin touched for the very first time. I don't think it's I don't think she's clever enough to have it not be. They can try to put any kind of meaning they want right. to they it. they can put whatever twist they want on it. But. And anybody can read anything into anything, but no, this is just a sex song. It's a classic 80s tune. I mean, I get two words for you. High roller. Yeah. Between that and Material Girl, that was that was my 80s, that high roller right there. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So, All right, what do you got next? Next, we're going to go with, actually, it's a fictional band. And this band, it's by the name of Dujour. Okay. Um, du jour, the song is called Backdoor Lover. <laughs> and, and the Du Jour, is, it's a, it was a made-up boy band for the 2001 movie Josie and the Pussycats. Okay. Um, the running joke through the movie was that people's opinions and their likes and dislikes were based on a whim. You know, kind of the soup of the day. You know, Du Jour. Which, soup du Jour. Exactly. One minute you're famous, the ne- and a minute later the next best thing comes along and you go back to being nothing. It was pretty clever they called the band that because, you know, they were hot at one time and then likely they weren't going to be later on. Per the Merriam-Webster website, du jour means popular, fashionable, prominent at a particular time or used to describe something that is enjoyable 
great, but probably short-lived in popularity or publicity. Pretty yeah. straightforward. Yep. In the movie, the band was uncredited, and it was made up of Daniel, Donald Faison, who played Turk and Scrubs, Seth Green, who was Robot Chicken, Family Effect, and Mass right. Effect, or Family Guy and Mass Effect, Brecken Meyer, the guy from Road Trip, and Alexander Martin, who was um, in the movie 21, that uh, Card County movie. Oh, okay. While all four actors were in Can't Hardly Wait, Meyer and Faison also played a band in that movie as well. Nice. Called Love Burger, I think it was, or okay. something like that. You haven't seen Can't Hardly Wait, have you? No. That's on the list. That's right, I remember. Yeah. The actors did not do their own singing, though it was done by one guy, John Steffen. Whatever devil magic he did, it sounded like a modern boy band, and it's disturbing to think, and amazing at the same time, that he did all four different voices that made it into a band, which makes me wonder if maybe all boy bands are just one person, and they're just lip-syncing everything, but that's a conspiracy theory Millie, for another time. Millie Vanilli. Exactly. So, back to our lover. The song is a single off of... DeJour's boy band goodness, but you actually, if you sit back and listen to the lyrics, it's all about doing it in the butt. Yeah, it's a it's an anal sex song. It absolutely is. Now, why don't you go ahead and take a listen to it and try not to get done in the butt? Unless you go for that kind of thing. Whatever. No judgments. I'm your backdoor lover. the planet fitness of music no judgments well but we're not though we judge the shit out of it. Well, actually we, more, we, more each other if anything well yeah but we do judge the shit out of a lot of stuff but that's well, that's kind of our click so this is one where you can you can make anything that's innocent sound dirty depending on how you spin it this is one of those that is intentionally written dirty that they try to spin it to be innocent which there's no fucking way there's no way because if you even if you sit down and don't listen to the song just look the lyrics up this is a butt sex song, period. Yeah, yeah. And it's fucking hilarious at the same time. If you watch the movie, which I don't know if you've ever seen it or not, they have these four people, and there's cr- throngs of screaming girls and everything else, and they're singing this song and everything else, and it's all, they're doing like this stage presence thing, and like all of these little girls singing about this, they're singing along to it, and it's like, you have no idea what you're singing about, do you? None whatsoever. No shit. But, but no, I, I enjoyed the movie. When we ducks, when we decided to do sex songs, I'm like, I have to include this because this song is hilarious. It may not, and it does sound like modern boy band stuff too. Oh yeah, it, it's got a perfect sound. It would fit in with Backdoor Boy or Backstreet Boys, um, In Sync or 98 Degrees, whatever. It fits in perfect. Yeah, it's exactly what it says it is. I really don't know what to say except that the Backstreet Boys and In Sync must have gotten together. <laughs> That's why I was smirking over here when you're naming off. Band, I was wondering boy bands. So, I really got nothing to say about this. It, it is what it is. Uh, yeah. So, moving on to 13. Yeah. So, so, what's your last one? I Touch Myself by the Divinals. So, I Touch Myself is a song written and recorded by the Australian rock band Divinals. It was released in November 1990 as the lead single from their fifth album, Divinals. And is a, a pay-on, which is a song or lyric poem expressing triumph and thanksgiving to female pleasure, eroticism, orgasm, and masturbation. The single achieved great success, reaching number four on the U.S. Billboard Hot 100 in March 1991. Meanwhile, in their native country, Australia, the single reached the number one position. The song was written by Divinals band members Christina Amphlett and Mark McIntyre, McIntyre, and professional songwriters Tom Kelly and Billy Steinberg. It has since been covered by numerous artists. 
The song was featured in the 1997 comedy film Austin Powers, International Man of Mystery, in the scene where Austin dances to make the fembots' heads explode. The song was also featured in the Chilean soap opera Graduados and the TV show Supernatural. The song was also featured in the film Prelude to a Kiss. In 2014, some Australians' leading female artists came together to reincarnate Amphlet's anthem, I Touch Myself. Each provided their own interpretation and distinct style to the song in an effort to raise awareness and funds for breast cancer. Let's just go ahead and take a listen. It was in Prelude to a Kiss. I would think that if the kiss doesn't work out, you would have to do it after the kiss. Well, Divinals, often incorrectly referred to as The Divinals, was an Australian rock band that was formed in Sydney in 1980. The band primarily consisted of vocalist Christy Amphlett and guitarist Matt Mark McEntee. Amphlett garnered widespread attention for performing on stage in a school uniform and fishnet stockings, and often used an illuminated neon tube as a prop for displaying aggression towards both band members, and the audience. Originally a five-piece, the band underwent numerous lineup changes, with Amphlet and McEntee remaining as core members, before its dissolution in 1996. In May 2001, the Australians, Australasian Performing Rights Association, as part of its 75th anniversary celebrations, named Science Fiction, which is one of their, one of their songs, as one of the top 30 Australian songs of all time. The band was inducted into the Rock, the Australian Recording Industry Association Hall of Fame in 2006, and in late 2007, Amphlet and McEntee reconvened to record a new single and begin working on a new album. The band played a short series of live gigs in Australia in late 2007 and early 2008. Now, the song itself is pretty good. The video, when this came out, often made me follow the directions of the song. She was hot, and I was young, dumb, and full of cum. Lots of hot women, and it was great. And now that I've shared a bit too much, Lou, get me out of this. So, all right. So, I'm sure you probably also remember the scandal when the song came out. So, it, not only is it about masturbation, but it's about a woman masturbating. Yep. Heaven fucking forbid. Right. Because, you know, we know that women never do that. Yeah, I think we have several songs that prove that differently. Yeah, absolutely. In fact, just on this one here. But, no, I just remember this song being huge in, you said it came out in the 90s? Yeah, 1990. Okay, um, I thought it was more of an 80s, but I guess I could—I was wrong on that one here. But no, it's it's a classic one here, and you're right, the video is pretty steamy. Uh, I think it was all black and white, wasn't it? Yeah, which even made it Sometimes more. it makes it more. Yeah, know, that, that noir feel to it kind of made it even more naughty. You know, it's almost like in some cases, let's see, how do I word this? Okay, in some cases, a woman wearing something skimpy is sexier than someone who's completely nude. Absolutely. So that's why I think the same mindset that the black and white is a little bit sexier somehow than the full color. Yep. So that's just where I was going with that one. Okay. So. No, it's a good song. And I'm going to go ahead and finish out my list. Yeah, let's do it. We're going to go ahead and do a little ACDC because we can. Yep. And that's a little You Shook Me All Night Long. So ACDC, if you haven't, if you've been living under a rock. Deep under a rock. Yeah, is another Australian band actually. Yep. Uh, and rewinding just for a second, I'd be intrigued to see what those other Australian songs are. Because you said there's like 15 on the Australian list of great songs or whatever. 75. 
or 75th, what did I say here? It was the 75th anniversary top 30 okay. Australian songs of all time. I'd be intrigued to see because, I mean, I'm almost thinking, like, maybe Kylie might be on there, um, Men at Work might be on there, ACDC might be on there. I'm pretty sure ACDC's on there. I would guess so. Keith Urban might be on there because he's a well-known Aussie. He's got a damn good voice, too, and his yeah. wife is hot. Well, yeah. <laughs> so, so, anyways, Australian hard rock band of formed of the brothers Young, Malcolm and Angus, in 1973. The logo, as we mentioned, came from Sister's Sewing Machine. They started off glam rock but decided that it wasn't for them, so they switched over to bluesy, heavy rock sound with Bon Scott. They released their debut 70, in 1975, High Voltage, which only came out in Australia, peaked at number 14. Their next album, TNT, also only came out there, but then they included New Zealand in that as well. And finally, they dropped High Voltage in 76 that came out internationally to the entire world, and we loved it. Um, the rest, They enjoyed good success touring and recording before Bon Scott died of alcohol-related asphyxiation. That is such a hard thing to say without... Yeah. Yeah. So, but you said High Voltage wrong. I told you this. It should be said to high voltage. <laughs> so Scott kicked it in 1980. They almost called it a day, but then Scott's family insisted they keep going, and Brian Johnson came in. They released one of the biggest selling albums of all time, Back in Black. Despite the world breaker that was Back in Black, their popularity did kind of wane a little bit. A few internal issues, band member swaps, and they they came back. They really did, you know. They've had a whole bunch of different changes with different people. Brian Johnson wasn't able to go. Either he quit or was fired, whatever the case is, because of hearing issues. Right. Axel came on. Cliff Williams retired. Malcolm Young, I think, passed away. Yeah, he passed away a few months ago. Um, drummers have changed here and there. I've heard rumors, however, that Brian Johnson, even though he can't tour, may come back to record new material. Really? That would be great. That would be fucking fantastic, actually. And then Axel can go sing him on the road. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> And he can be the Axel can be the fat face of the of the band because <laughs> fat face of the band. That's is. just mean, dude. But he is Axel got fat though. Oh, he did. He must have laid off the drugs too much or something. Something. But in any respect, I mean, that would be cool as hell. So now, ACDC still active. They're still touring, as we mentioned with Axel. Uh, they've released 17 albums, all of which have gone gold or better. Um, one gold, four platinums, three double platinums, one triple, one quad. Two five one six one seven one nine, and the biggest of all of them, of course, Double Diamond, which went twenty-two platinum, was Back in Black. You shook me all night long is a single off of 1980s Back in Black. The song's writing, the song's writing was inspired from Johnson seeing images of American girls while recording in the Bahamas for Back in Black. So everyone knows this song, but let's take a listen anyways because it's a great fucking song. Absolutely. Literally and figuratively, actually. Had me fighting for He realized that women in cars were very much alike. They go fast, they let you down, and they make you happy again when you see the new model. Typical rock star. Yeah. I'm yeah. sorry, it just is. This sex song talks about a guy who's gushing about his American girl and the mind-blowing loving that he was hoping to have with her. The video has him cleaning up and getting ready for his gal, including going to the to the pharmacy, buying condoms or whatever he's buying, and bringing like 40s with him. Yeah. And girls on, um, what are they, mechanical bulls which is when it turns from black and white to color. Oh, okay. 
The song, regardless if it's dirty or not, is one of the top most requested and played songs for the band and for good reason. It is a classic, and honestly, even if you're not a fan of ACDC, even if you say ACDC sucks and you're one of like the anti-people, you know this song and you probably still like the song. I would agree. Now, I didn't have a whole lot to say about this. Straight up sex and awesome rock and roll. It's just great classic rock, and, you know, she knocked him out with her American thighs. What else do you need to know? That's pretty much it right there. All right, man. Let's uh, jump into trivia here. Okay, so trivia, if you recall, which I'm sure you probably would not have forgotten, we had two questions. Yep. Let's get the easy one out of the way. Okay. According to Urban Legend, what artist reportedly had ribs removed to be able to blow himself? It's Marilyn Manson, but that Urban Legend has been proved wrong. Correct. It has been debunked, so you got that one right. Now, the next one, the slightly harder one. According to an Urban Legend, what band's drummer... Um, you can get a bonus point if you can tell me who the drummer is after I tell you the answer. Okay. I'll even let, I'll, I'm generous today. Okay. While staying at Seattle's Edgewater Inn, caught a mud shark and used it as an impromptu sex toy with a groupie. I said Rainbow. That's a pretty good guess, actually, because I can see Dio's band being kind of fucked up. Yeah, that's, that's... Led Zeppelin. Oh. So, who's the drummer for Zeppelin? Let's see if you can redeem yourself with the one point. Is it Bonham? Which bottom? There's actually two drummers that are bottom. Really? I'll give you bottom. It's John Bottom. His son is Jason. Okay. So, however, road manager Richard Cole later admitted that while something involving a fish, not a shark, and a groupie did happen, it wasn't Bonham who did it. Oh, really? That's gross as shit, dude. <laughs> Think of that girl. She let that happen. It was with Zeppelin, though. I don't care. I mean, I, <laughs> I got to... Be with Zeppelin in the same hotels. It ain't worth it. Dude, it'd be like, it'd be like you go up to a room to to, to fuck, let's say Pink, okay? Mm-hmm. And she pulls out this big black dildo and she's like, bend over. You gonna take that just to be with her? Do I get to be with her afterwards? Yeah. For that, it might be worth it. <laughs> it's Pink. Come I on. know, I know, but I'm just saying. I don't I know. I understand what you're saying, but. All right, so you were gonna you actually had two two pluses on this one because we made it a three for action. Right. So you we're gonna put you at twenty three and twenty one. Twenty or twenty two and twenty one. Twenty two and twenty one. Yeah. All right. Okay, listen up, everybody. Turn up your volumes. Announcement. With that, thank you guys for listening. And if you want to reach out to us, let us know if you like this episode or any of our episode other episodes. You can do that in a few easy ways. First, you can uh, reach out to us at eclecticmediaproject at gmail.com or at musicchallengepodcast at gmail.com. Don't like doing the whole email thing? Want to reach out to us on Facebook? You can do that too, at Musically Challenged Podcast or at POI Network. And the third and final way is... is Twitter, and that way you can do the at Podcast 17 If you want to go ahead and send us a playlist, you know, 10 different songs, 10 different artists, has a theme, great. If not, that's fine. Send us some love, send us some hate, just send us something, period. We're all good. We're here. All right, and with that, I want to take just a second to remind everybody that starting with our next episode, we are bringing it down to a 10-song episode. So Lou and I are each going to do five. There's Bring it down to 10 songs and see what we're looking at and see how it does time-wise. So once we start doing that, you guys let us know what you think of the whole process of it all. With that, thank you guys for listening, and we'll talk to you next week. You have been listening to a program from the Point of Insanity Network. 
visit us at poigamestudio.podbean.com for more shows. Follow us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at POI Game Studio.